Welcome to Books in the Freezer, a podcast dedicated to the deliciously disturbing world of horror fiction. I'm your host, Stephanie, and today we are getting existential with author Catherine Silva. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I am very excited to be here. I am excited to be talking about this uh, with you here. You brought this to my attention and I'm like, yeah, this is a lot of horror. This is something we should talk about. And also you mentioned books that I hadn't read yet, but I was very interested in reading. So I'm like, yes, I actually need someone to convince me to read these. So I'm very glad you're here. Well, you did the same for me. So (laughs) I immediately went out and bought... uh, two of them and then read them back to back and it was a wonderful journey i love that i was like you absolutely did not have to do that but i appreciate it any excuse that i can go out and buy books is is awesome with me so i feel i loved it (laughs) but you had a book come out this year the wild fall you tell us a bit about that Sure. Uh, The Wild Fall is the sequel to The Wild Dark, which came out in 2021. And it is all about an ex-cop who has to survive an apocalyptic forest purgatory that's taking over the world while being haunted by the ghost of her dead partner. Um, So there are are definitely some existential horror uh, dread themes in both of these books uh, the sequel takes place 10 years after the original and so it gets a little more dystopian in its flavor and um there's a lot of questions about uh what happens after we die and uh in in looking at it definitely in traditional judeo-christian um themes but also taking it to another place, getting a little more uh, cosmic horror-y with it. Definitely. I mean, cosmic horror is a great place for existential dread. Oh, yes. Yeah. We were talking about this earlier because I feel like I know existential horror when I read it, but I feel like it's hard to describe. So how would you describe it? Um. So it really, I, I think the best definition i saw was actually on a game rant article and it was it's talking about the horror that surrounds um the realization of dying or um the the fear surrounding what happens when we die or Mm -hmm. uh the meaninglessness of existence it's a cosmic gumbo to use a reference from (laughs) from a wonderful tv show um but yeah it's it's definitely i i think that also should should include the dread of the endlessness of existence also because that seems to be a fairly common uh way to flip that genre on its head yeah, I'm like, there's a few things that come to mind with that or, yeah, coming face to face with like the inherent meaninglessness of life and the horror of existence and mortality. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, <laughs> a lot. Do you feel like there was uh, a pop culture like movie or a book that you read that like 
really you had an existential moment with oh yeah i it's so tough because like i think it was annihilation honestly um that that one was just so different reading that book felt like my mind got blown wide open and i haven't read the second or third books in the series yet um but i remember just being like what is happening (laughs) i think yeah it is it is interesting i think too with like nihilistic properties where like i guess how it goes with it whether it's like positive nihilism or like negative nihilism where it's like where this is the end of the line like human beings are it like we're we're done and it's now time for something else to take over and there's kind Mm -hmm. of like a positive like and that's fine we did our yeah yeah um i get that with a lot of things that are sort of surrounding nature themed if Mm -hmm. it's uh you know it's kind of like the the earth's time to to come back and take over kind of thing and that's okay you know humanity's had its time to shine and and now it's over but you know, your question just made me realize there was another another pop culture thing that really got a lot of people heading towards this sort of fiction, and it was True Detective season one. Really? Um, yeah, because there's a whole thing about the king in yellow mm-hmm. and talking about um, Lagadian horror, which is very similar to existential horror uh in its like life is meaningless i i would say that's probably the main point of it and uh and so a lot of people just started reading more Lagati, and then that brought up more existential horror and uh and then it kind of bounced back i think yeah people were really into it for a while it was yes. on people's radar at least in the pop culture zeitgeist Yep. It's funny as I was thinking about this today, but a pop culture thing that I think actually helped me work through existential dread was Six Feet Under. Oh, yeah. Where I was like, death is just a part of life. We all Mm -hmm. die. These people, their whole life is death. And that's fine. And I felt so at peace. Yeah. What a great series. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) But I just thought Um, of that today while prepping for this episode. I'm like, oh, yeah, that was a moment for me. Yeah, that and um, Dead Like Me is another one. I haven't one. seen that. Oh, man. It's good. So witty. Uh, yeah, when you can when you can pair together that dark humor about, about death <laughs> and make it work. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, just I recommend it anyway. It's, uh, it's good. I was going to ask you, what do you like about it specifically? Like what works about it for you? Oh, the potential to come up with with uh, stories that are existential is just endless. And it can really glide into any subgenre. Um, like I've been doing a lot with grief horror. Um, for whatever reason, I'm just drawn to sad things. It fills my cup. Um, and so I like writing about sad things and the meaninglessness of life and sad things go together so well. So, uh, so that's been my whole thing the last few years, but yeah, I, there is just something 
innately interesting and something that's never satisfied about writing about death and what happens after it. Yeah, I don't I don't really know where that interest started, but the problem now is that I just want to keep writing books about it. <laughs> yeah. There's no way for it to become stale though. It just there there are so many ways to talk about it. There are a lot of ways to go about it. And I also feel like as a reader, existential horror, that's those are the types of stories that when you're done, you flip it over, you're haunted by it. That is the horror that is like under your skin and you're just like Yeah. Like yikes. Stays with you <laughs> for sure. I'm gonna stare at this well and dissociate for a few minutes. <laughs> <laughs> just really process all these mm -hmm. feelings I'm having. I think I've talked about this a few times on the podcast, but I mean, also like deconstructing from religion and Christianity and kind mm -hmm. of like, that's something that's always been like, well, anyway, we don't have to worry about that do, 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 yeah. to do, <laughs> until you're out of it. And you're like, oh, my God, I've never had to sit and think about this because it was always like, don't worry, taken care of. Do, do, mm -hmm. <laughs> yep. Um, so yeah, these past couple years have had have had a lot of that. Yeah, I grew up in a very like strict Methodist house uh, where we were expected to go to church every Sunday. Um, my dad is is still staunchly Methodist, uh, and at some point during my teens, I just like. I got interested in it. I wanted to know more about it, but my interest in it stemmed from like watching Stigmata. <laughs> and and um and then it definitely went in that direction and I I realized at that point it was just like wow, I I don't have the same interest in this that that you have in this yeah. and um and so since then a lot of my I think a lot of my writing has been trying to come to terms with that, like, mm -hmm. ah, this is really being used, I think, uh, more for structure and, and uh, emotional support yeah. over here. And that's not, you know, I don't need that the same way, uh, but there are expectations still, you know, so that's yeah that's that yeah my best friend growing up was methodist and i went to her church a few times and i remember thinking it was like cool that they were protestant but still had like aesthetically a lot of <laughs> catholic stuff like their priests wore robes and i was like yep that's kind of cool <laughs> well we were mentioned a few movies earlier do we want to get into some movies that deal with or feature or leave us with yes. existential horror. <laughs> Definitely. Um, so we talked about Annihilation. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I really loved Annihilation. I think I tried to read Authority, I think is the next one, um, for work horror. Tonally, it was so different, though. It mm. was not like Annihilation at all. Um, so did you say you read it or watched it or both? Um, I read it first okay. and then I watched it and um, very, they're two very different 
stories. I mean, there, there are similarities and I was almost annoyed <laughs> at the movie at first because it did not follow the book as closely as I wanted. But then I, uh, I grew to appreciate the film after some time. I agree with you on that. Like there were some things where I'm like, but that's not, that's not what happens. But then I think there were some things that it did so well that I couldn't help mm-hmm. like it at the end. Um, I wrote Coherence, which is a movie that I love. It is such a mind trip. It is these people having a dinner party and there's some kind of comet or meteor you just watched it right yes so you might be able to tell me uh i believe it's a comet yes okay and as far as they know it like knocks their power out um and they go outside and like the whole street is dark except for one house and i don't even know how much to get into because i don't want to spoil anything but it is a trip it um i i think what i really appreciated most about that movie is it's it doesn't feel very scripted it feels so natural like you're sitting down at this dinner party just watching it happen and so you're immediately bonding with these characters because they feel real yes Uh, and so when everything does start getting crazy and trippy uh it just it's it's harder to believe that somebody wrote this uh and directed this that is true it does feel very natural like we are literally just observing a dinner party gone mm-hmm. wrong with escalating stakes and all kinds of laws of physics it's not found footage but it's as close to found footage as you can get mhm and then you mentioned The Endless. Yeah. Uh, I watched The Endless last night, and it's it's about these two brothers who have escaped a, what they call a UFO death cult uh, <laughs> that they were, um, that they grew up in, and they're now going back to visit it. And... Um, it went a lot of places I was not expecting and it definitely keeps a lot of things in the dark. Like you're, what's the best way to say this? It's like the, the horror is uh, in the shadows and you're not uh, it's, it's not all, blood and guts and gore it's just dread and you feel that dread consistently throughout the movie uh as these two brothers are returning to this place and uh and everybody there doesn't seem like they've aged uh they're they're all just kind of going about their lives ignoring the outside world it's yeah it's really spooky it is i i rewatched it um for this episode but i had seen it a few years ago and absolutely loved it and i love the dynamic between the brothers where the older brother like pulled the younger brother out and they're having a hard time making it on their own kind of in the outside world like they're having a hard Mm -hmm. time keeping jobs making ends meet um 
and the little brother just has good memories mm-hmm. of being at the at the camp you know like we had food there we had friends we had all of our needs met i don't know why you pulled us out and now we're struggling out here and i don't know why you did what you did and there's some resentment there and it's it's so easy to identify with uh justin i think was the the older brother because he's kind of taking him back so he can be like and now you're gonna see what it was like for real and then we can just go home and like Mm -hmm. everything will be fine you won't have these lingering uh desires to return to yeah the camp the camp um so and then the horror (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah that it i was not expecting that the first time that i watched it i highly recommend if people haven't seen it to check that out yes um i put the truman show in here which is not a horror movie per se it's but but it's you know it's been a really long time since i've seen that one and like i think i was a kid when i saw that and it has stayed with me for years because of how uncomfortable it was yeah the idea that like everything that you do your entire existence is entertainment for other people Mm -hmm. uh and that well nothing is what it seems uh no one's genuine it's yeah that messed me up as a kid i was like (laughs) what if all of my embarrassing moments are being telegraphed to the world right now and no one is having a real interaction with me yeah these are all just actors playing a part and they have like marks to hit and i'm the the only one that's not in on it yeah (laughs) and the idea that that the little things that you do that that are kind of like a blip in your memory are highlights for a Mm -hmm. bunch of people too like they're they're cataloging everything that you've ever done uh it's recorded it's there do you think we're gonna i mean i think it's gonna be i'm sorry to interrupt you i just have this no it's fine (laughs) i think we're gonna see that with the children of like mommy influencers in the next couple years Hmm. as they grow older and realize like you know all of their milestones have been just content for people to watch that is something that i'm just like uh, i'm so like I don't so I don't have kids, but I do have uh friends who do certainly and and I do see the levels mm-hmm. of like how much they how many photos get put on the internet of their kids um mm-hmm. versus like the occasional oh this was a really cute moment yeah. um and it's it is just like god how how is this person going to feel I don't, when yeah. they or is it going to be so natural at that point in their existence to just like 
have yourself on social media, have photos of yourself out there, because that's like how everybody communicates, that it's yeah. not even going to matter. Um, yeah, no, it, it's definitely crossed my mind. Um, and it's, again, uncomfortable. It's just an uncomfortable feeling. I don't know. I was thinking, yeah, about people who have children of mommy influencers who have grown up in the spotlight and have strangers out there that have memories of them doing things that they don't remember, like before they yeah. could form memories. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, no, it's um, it's super valid, super valid to this conversation. And it is... Uh, that's that is a horror story in the making. Hmm. So I I did watch Possessor uh, a couple days ago, and mainly because it came up as a suggestion to watch uh, for Existential Dread, and it is about a woman who is like a hitman, hit woman, um, who works for this company that has this machinery that they use to possess other people um mm. in order to take out the hit on whoever their subject is and what's really interesting about it is they really they went into like this woman has been doing this for years she has a family that she has been kind of separated from uh because what happens with possessing people is like you do have the potential to lose yourself in their memories or in their personality. So every time she comes back from possessing somebody, they test her on these objects that are hers uh, and objects that are not hers to, to make sure that she's, you know, coming back to it all. And, um, and they show her returning home and before she gets there she kind of stands outside and practices her how she's going to talk to her son and her ex-husband like just to make it seem like she's has some emotion and has some like desire to be there um and that things are natural but it's and it's so creepy too just to to think like, yeah, this person jumps into other people's consciousness and kills people and then is expected to like keep it a secret and live their, their daily life. Um, mm -hmm. And, and then, you know, the next hit goes out and uh, there is an issue with the compatibility between the two subjects uh so things don't go as they are planned um there are definitely some very trippy scenes it is directed by a cronenberg not uh not the man himself but i think one of the sons so yeah. there's definitely some body horror in there um but it's it's really good Definitely has some scenes of hyper-violence that I was not expecting, uh, and neither was my boyfriend, so that was uh, pretty scary in the moment. 
but I definitely recommend it because uh, it was compelling. I will have to check that out. This episode is brought to you by Fangoria, the world's best horror and cult film magazine since 1979. Listeners can use code Books in the Freezer to get 20% off their order. That includes, of course, merchandise and first time subscriptions and single issues of the magazine. Not only are there tons of articles and interviews about upcoming horror movies, there's a regular segment by Stephen Graham Jones all about slashers called Slasher Nation. So you're going to want a copy. So again, that is code Books in the Freezer. And thank you, Fangoria, for supporting the show. Should we talk about some books? Yes. All right, I can go first. And there was a movie I didn't mention because I am mentioning the book, and that is Under the Skin by Michelle Faber. Um, you said you had seen the movie. Yeah. Yeah. And that's it's a little different from the book, too, right? Like, I... A bit. It, I think it gets the main essence, but the book explains more. Okay. You know, the movie is very, like, sparse, kind of minimal dialogue, but it gets the point. Um, so this is about a woman named Isserly who drives around Scotland picking up hitchhikers. Like in the movie, I don't think she's ever named. And I think in the credits, her name is like Laura. Mm-hmm. I did <laughs> um, Patreon episodes with my friend Laura where we talked about the book and then we did episodes talking about the movie. So I feel like we had a lot of like fun nice. facts that might pop up. in here. <laughs> uh, the book is told from her POV as she is driving around picking up these men and we see that she has like a certain type that she is looking for she has like she is looking for like a tall like muscular man and she's also kind of looking for someone that doesn't have a lot of personal ties to the world so she does prod like oh do you have a girlfriend at home waiting for you do you have Mm -hmm. kids um in the book, this is something that also doesn't make it in the movie, is that she's very strange looking. And I know in the movie they cast Scarlett Johansson and mm-hmm. the first thing you don't think of is like strange looking. Um, it's like, but she's described as having like a very odd face. She's very petite. Like she can hardly look over the steering wheel, but she has like comically large breasts. <laughs> um, and she's just kind of an odd being and like every kind of like man that comes in kind of notices that she's like something is off about Mm -hmm. her the book goes a lot more into what she is doing the movie does hint that there are other people that are a part of this you know there's like beings and motorcycles that like ride around Mm -hmm. um but the book gets more into like no, she kind of goes back and has to report to certain people and there are like gotcha. deadlines okay. and things that need to be met. And like there's a hierarchy and people answer to certain people and you kind of see what happens to these men that she is picking up. It's hard to talk about this without <laughs> giving the main twist away and like talk about it. And I will say I have beef with Eli Roth. <laughs> because of this (laughs) because i was watching his history of horror series and under the skin comes up and they just say what the twist is and i hadn't seen it yet or read it and i was so mad that (laughs) sucks and so i have 
I hold grudges. I am a Taurus. And so like since that moment, I was like, damn it, Eli Roth. I hadn't seen it. Yeah, that's uh, not fair. Yes. <laughs> at all. No. So I went into the book kind kind of knowing what it was. Um but I don't know. She has such an interesting perspective is all I will say. And a lot of her POV is her musings on existence and humanity and being a human Mm -hmm. and living and kind of doing this job and how she interacts with people. And I, a lot of it was actually very beautiful. She has like a lot of beautiful thoughts about, she has a lot of thoughts about the the beauty of the world. Um, that was a book I really liked. <laughs> um, That's one I definitely need to add to my, my list. I, I recommend it. Um, I mean, I also really love the movie. And I think I just saw that A24 is bringing a lot of their movies back to theaters. And I think Under the Skin is one of them. So they're going to bring it back for a big screen. They make so many good films. And they're one of the studios that's met all the WGA and SAG requirements. So kudos to them. Mm -hmm. So Under the Skin, I would say, is a a room temperature fridge book. It's, It's one that did haunt me but not in like a horror way like I definitely Mm -hmm. thought about it for a few days um and I I really liked it I've thought about reading more Michelle Faber it's funny I always think about how Michelle Faber wrote Under the Skin and he also wrote The Crimson Petal and the White which is Mm. the book that in Gilmore Girls that Emily Gilmore is reading on that episode where she's like super drunk because her mother-in-law died and she discovered hmm. that her like mother-in-law hated her and so she's like in a robe Tennessee <laughs> Williamsing it. <laughs> I was like same author. Hmm. The impact. Yeah. The cultural impact. Um anyway, off on a tangent there. <laughs> that is under the Skin by Michelle Faber. And if you would like to hear more of my thoughts on Under the Skin, like I said, there are several Patreon episodes all about it. Um, so I I chose um, The Worm and His Kings by Haley Piper, um, which I am guilty to say that I did not, I have not read the sequel yet. Uh, Even The Worm Will Turn. It is supposed to be a trilogy. Um, but I did read, um, this one last year and it was, it headed in a direction I was wholly not expecting it to go, um, at all. And I fell in love with it. And it is about, um, this, uh, homeless person who... I believe is trans uh and their girlfriend goes missing from their homeless community where they are um and and there's kind of the story of this creature that has been taking homeless people uh and so she ends up following them I think the 
the thing comes back and takes somebody else. And so she ends up following it down beneath the sewers and beneath like the tunnels in the city uh, to where it's been like collecting people and finds sort of a, a, a culty thing that's going on down there. Uh, and from there, uh, it just gets stranger and stranger and scarier mm-hmm. and scarier. Um, but I, I think one of the most poignant things about that book is that there's a lot of parallels um, talking about trans existence um, you know, how, how you're identifying, um, with also how the homeless identify in this city. Um, you know, some have chosen that way of life because that is what they mm-hmm. would rather have, or that's what would be safer for them to have versus, uh, being at home and, uh, it just it opened a lot of uh, opened a lot of windows and made me question a lot of things. And I really appreciate when a book can make me do that. Um, and Haley Piper is an incredible author. Yeah. Uh, so, and th- and there were definitely moments in that book that were absolutely horrifying. Um, that. I put up there in my like <laughs> list of scary scenes yeah. uh, in books. So I do recommend that one and it's sequel and the eventual pre uh, the eventual third one that will come. Uh, that is the worm and his Kings by Haley Piper. Uh, my next pick is Mr. Magic by Kirsten White. Um, this was a book I was very excited about. I really like Kirsten White. I think the first thing I ever read by her was The Dark Descent of Elizabeth Frankenstein. But this is about former child stars that get together for a special podcast reunion about a children's show they used to be on called Mr. Magic. And we're following Val, who is kind of just like picked up by this group that kind of just like crash where she's at um, and she goes with them and realizes she has no memories of what they are talking about or this show and this show is very enigmatic like people talk about it and you see snippets of there being an online community talking about it but there are no clips that exist Mm -hmm. of this and if they do get uploaded they get taken down immediately um So a lot of people are very interested in this. So there's a lot of interest, of course, in this podcast reunion with these former child stars to, you know, something that was nostalgic to a lot of people and part of their childhood. I really like this. I would say this is a good read alike if you've seen the first season of Channel Zero, Candle Cove, or read the creepypasta that it's based off, Candle Cove. Um, It's very weird and liminal. And one thing I enjoyed about it was reading the author's note 
when I was done where I felt like mm. I had a I was like, oh, that makes me like look back and frame the whole story very differently, which was interesting because I went into it thinking like, okay, it's definitely about this and this. And then reading her author's note and being like, oh no, but I can also see that. And now I'm going back and thinking like, okay, yeah, that does make sense that that would coincide with this. Um, and I, I really liked it. Um, and you said you read it too. Yeah. Yeah. I finished it very quickly last week. Um, yeah, that was as creepy as hell. I really enjoyed it. Um, I, I did, I, I was able to guess a few of the twists that, that were coming, but it was executed so well that I didn't care. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I think the house that they go to is probably one of the creepiest settings uh, in a book that I've read about in a long time because it just, there's something so fake about it. And yeah. so like, not, it's not comforting at all and it's not meant to be. And when it concerns like the, the idea that these people who were on a kid's TV show are going back to like share their memories, you would assume that it would be a really like nurturing and nostalgic place they'd be going back to something that would just like make them want to remember what happened and it's just bare and there's no doors on it and it's just like it's yeah. it's so <laughs> and as they start remembering stuff and really questioning like the types of songs and like morals that this show was pushing and the fact that they were all kind of like forced into these different roles and mm -hmm. like who is who and why yeah i would say for me this was between room temperature and fridge like i wouldn't say it's fully room temperature but not like fully fridge i will say it's like somewhere in between and this is very like liminal creepy so yeah. in that in that space in between so that is mr magic by kirsten white um my next book that i had on my list was uh the vile thing that we created by robert atone um this one came out in april of this year and i got to read it a little early because Rob is a good friend. Um, and it was also one that turned itself on its head. Um, you go into it expecting something and you get something very different from it. And it starts with the idea that you've got these two, you know, young, this young couple who really love just being in love and, uh, existing by themselves and, uh, and then realize that all of their friends have kids. And so they're kind mm -hmm. of losing their friend circle and they wonder like, oh, maybe we should have a kid too. Maybe it's time for us to, to join that, that next stage in life. So they get pregnant, have a kid, 
uh, and it is not a child that they were expecting in the slightest bit. <laughs> and uh, all kinds of crazy shit starts happening, and... Um, And it, uh, I think the, the biggest existential part of this is concerning, uh, our main, one of our main characters, uh, and of course I'm going to forget her name. He's going to kill me. But, uh, <laughs> but the woman in this pair is dealing with these feelings of, of like postpartum depression and whether or not she actually wants this this kid if she's you know making a big deal out of it for nothing uh is is everything that's happening really actually happening um and uh how is that you know how she's seeing things is that breaking up their their relationship so it and then it it twists again later which i really appreciated um but i won't say how um but this is definitely one of those like slow burn books that really sticks with you uh i <laughs> I would put it at a room temperature to fridge uh, in terms of some of the the horror. Uh, and I definitely recommend reading it as fast as you can because it's really good. Uh, and that is The Vile Thing We Created by Robert Atone. This has been on my TBR for ever and when you mentioned it i'm like i need to hear more about it mm -hmm. like i've been interested in reading this and i love the cover um so i cannot wait to read this and it sounds really good yeah it um it does a really good job of blending genres i will okay. say that um and the characters are really really well fleshed out so mm -hmm. okay well, my final pick is We Spread by Ian Reed. Although I could have picked any of several Ian Reed titles. I feel like he nails existential horror. Um, I talk about I'm thinking of ending things probably too much. <laughs> so, but that could have fit nicely here. Um, also Faux, but I figured Faux is getting a movie. And so people are probably going to be picking it up in anticipation for a movie so i thought i would talk about his new release we spread uh which is the existential horror that is our aging bodies mm -hmm. uh, so this follows penny an artist who has been living alone for some time until she has one too many incidents and gets sent to live at a living facility, which at first she's fine with. She really likes this facility. She finds herself like painting more and 
you know, mostly getting along with the people there. But she notices that she's starting to lose track of time. Like there's just a lot of kind of weird, unexplained things going on. And she's just not sure if there's something more sinister going on. And this book (laughs) is an experience because I don't know. I felt like even in this, the first part where she's in her apartment and she's telling us about like this life that she's lived in this apartment and kind of how like all it takes is just a few falls before like everything that was your life, like you can't live it anymore. Like you're betrayed by your own body, you know, this vessel that's been like carrying you around and like living this life with you and it's just gonna start breaking down and then when she goes into the facility it's very like dreamlike like as a reader you kind of never feel like you're like really anchored into what's going on and it's kind of purposeful that way that it's kind Mm -hmm. of like dreamy and like what is what is happening um And he just does that so well. And this Mm -hmm. book is such a fast read. Like when you look through it, like the spacing and the small paragraphs, like this is a book I feel like you absorb. Like it just like you inhale this story. Um, But yes, the, the existential horror of like one day this, this vessel will betray me and eventually start breaking down and my mind will get slower and I will forget things. And it's a lot. Mm -hmm. It's a lot to deal with. Also the like not doing all the things that you wanted to do before you get there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Real happy stuff. It's good. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. This one haunted me. Um, but Ian Reed is the master of that. This to me was fridge because it did it did scare me. It did give me a lot to think about, and I recommend it. So that is We Spread by Ian Reed. I just finished that one today. So I What did you think? <laughs> I Oh man. Like I am still my mind is still turning trying to figure out exactly like what is going on (laughs) and not having a a definite like answer is uh is getting to me Mm -hmm. a little bit um but it it did go very fast i really appreciated the minimalism and the uh the way it was laid out i mean it just yeah i could have kept reading that book could have been like this big would not have mattered. yeah so my uh my third read is uh you've lost a lot of blood by eric laraca uh and i went into this one i had read his first novella um the things have gotten worse since we spoke so i kind of knew i i like had a feeling of how how it was going to read before i went in i was not expecting the like dual storyline that happened in it and 
I really liked it because it showed another dimension of this, this character's personality. Um, and really the, the big existential part of it is this character's story that they wrote that we get chapters of throughout the book, um, concerning this, uh, woman and her brother, and they're running from something and you have no idea what, uh, and they get to like, a house where they're, I think they're interviewing somebody or it's, it's something like that. Um, of course I read this one also a few years ago, so my memory of it is terrible, but, um, but really it's a guy who created a, a game they're, they're at the house of this guy that created this virtual game and um, what happens to them there is just like you don't see it coming. You don't see any of it coming. And it, it really, really messed with me. Um, a lot of the body horror <laughs> really creeped me out and still creeps me out thinking about it. Um and in the 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 other story the main story um is about these two lovers who murder people <laughs> um for fun ish um but it's it's but they have these you know very long uh eloquent conversations about why they kill and um it's yeah it's just it's such a like mood novella it it yeah. really speaks a lot to like to eric's uh ability to write and his type of writing um which i think is fairly consistent throughout the books that he writes and it's just so good and so creepy <laughs> and this one to me is a freezer book wow um mostly just for the you know the creepy creep story <laughs> in the middle um i definitely recommend reading this one uh for sure I haven't read this one. Um, I moved last year and apparently I stuck this away in a box. So I found it like a few days ago as I was randomly in my garage, not specifically looking for this book, but I was just mm -hmm. like unpacking a random box. And I'm like, I knew I put this book in here because I was like, I'll open this first. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so... <laughs> I will have this book to read soon. It did not end up working out that way, but I, I have it again. Nice. Nice. So I can read it now. Good. It um, sounds really good. Yeah. It's, uh, it makes me like, I want to go back and read it again because I know that I missed a lot yeah. reading it the first time. And then also just the story of getting this book I went to Merrimack Valley Halloween Book Festival last year and Eric LaRocca was there 
mm-hmm. he was not there the entire time. And he almost left before I could get him to sign one of my books and uh, before I could buy that book. And um, somebody like hailed his boyfriend and mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> got him to come back and sign it. And I was mortified, but also really uh really happy so um so that copy of that book does hold a special place in my heart for that reason too oh i love that there was like a couple other books that i didn't quite want to put as picks so i do put them in the like honorable mentions Mm -hmm. (laughs) category um like i thought interview with the vampire fit in pretty well i think vampires are a great vehicle for existential horror because you're looking at beings that suddenly not suddenly but have to deal with this like eternal life and not everyone takes kindly to that and i love that dichotomy between louis and lestat because lestat loves it and is annoyed that louis does not see this gift that was mm-hmm. given to him and doesn't want to party hardy and wants to be sad boohoo i love louis musings on being stuck in this and mm. the kind of torture that it is for him and also the idea of claudia of yeah. being perpetually a child but like aging and maturing mentally but always presenting as a child which i know for anne rice she was working through working through some stuff with like the loss of her daughter so like her daughter is forever going to be a certain age and vampirism is an interesting way to to explore that that grief and that loss um so that of um scott moses is our own unique affliction that came out this year also like a good like existential vampires nicole eigener has one that's amazing too um and it's it's a basically it's about a vampire who's living his life backward <laughs> um, interesting and uh and of course now i'm going to forget its name because <laughs> i am a horrible person uh but that is I, not why <laughs> i read it it's a it's a big book and i read it last year and it's so elegantly written um and it now has a sequel and it is called i will get there beguiled by night oh okay i've seen this cover i see the cover in my mind okay Ooh, that sounds really interesting though so i am gonna gonna have to pick it up i'm adding so many books to my cart with this episode (laughs) (laughs) um i also thought house of leaves it's good existential horror yeah that one is uh so twisted yeah but um but so like it makes you question everything uh Mm -hmm. and it's so interesting how it's done like the the entire format of that book because i know people have tried to read it in kindle format and that's just like not the same you have to have the the physical book Mm -hmm. um with all the different text colors and all the the weird formatting and everything to really get the 
the entire yeah. vibe of being sucked into a black hole. Uh, yeah. A labyrinth under your house, you know, mm-hmm. whatever. <laughs> yep. I thought it was worth mentioning just because yeah. of the um, the parallel again to um, the true detective mm-hmm. thing where they were talking about uh, life being meaningless uh, and a lot of his work really does make you question things and um a short story i read recently which is you know about uh i think it was a prisoner that uh, a psychiatrist was talking with and the prisoner somehow gets out of his (laughs) cell even though it's supposed to be impossible you know he he escapes and uh but the the whole time you're reading this you're just like dropping down deeper and deeper into a a rabbit hole um and it's it's making you feel more and more dread the further you go and they they keep talking about like oh and the daughter's upstairs asleep in her room and like and you're just you're like I know what's going to happen. Like, don't, don't do this to me. Like, uh, and that's what they all feel like. <laughs> that's funny. I mean, it sounds terrifying. Yeah. But <laughs> yeah. Um, what was that story? Do not have the title of it. Okay. Uh, it's all but good. it's, it is in, uh, it's the first story in one of his, uh, collections. Okay. He is not someone I've, I've read from and I knew people were going to be upset if he did not at least get mentioned in this episode so I'm glad you were able to bring some yeah I I do feel bad um that I'm I'm not doing it justice uh because I am I've just started to read him so Mm -hmm. I'm I'm definitely not a scholar when it comes to Ligotti but um but it's yeah worth the mention well one of the traditions we have on this show is to talk about chilling obsessions or things we are enjoying in horror. So have you been enjoying anything lately? Uh, two things. One of which is uh, relatable to what we were just talking about before, which is that vampires are coming back um, because there was definitely a stage where vampires were kind of old and tired uh in the paranormal romance a lot of paranormal romance with vampires came out and uh and that got a little bit uh overblown but now we are getting more of that uh horror vampire more of that like the existential dread vampire uh (laughs) and it's being done in some really creative beautiful ways um like uh nicole eigener and beverly lee have a whole series going together um which they started separately and have now combined really yes and it's really cool because I started the first of Beverly Lee's of the Gabriel Davenport yeah. right, series. Yeah. I think so that series does have like its own conclusion 
and then you've mm-hmm. got Beguiled by Night, and then there is a like novella that takes place that connects the two. Interesting. Okay. Uh, and then you know you go to the sequel of uh, Beguiled by Night, and then there's another sequel, and then mm-hmm. they wrote a novel together. So it's oh, wow. Yeah, it's a huge collaboration, and it's really awesome. Um, and I, <laughs> I look at it, and I'm just like so uh, in awe because I have never, I I don't think I could ever collaborate with another writer to write something because I'm just so like it needs to be this way, and I need yeah. to do it, you know, this way. Um, yeah. So. The fact that they have this whole universe together is in insane um and then oh, wow. also the is it our own unique affliction is that the I yeah think so. yeah that it's all like um, i remember it's all vowels it's like o-o-u-a yeah <laughs> um, i don't know why i find that helpful no it's it's good the the acronym uh remembrance is good uh no that uh is just a beautiful book um and um yeah vampires i'm excited that they're coming back and then the the second thing is horror westerns because that is something that I've wanted to write for a long time and just didn't think that there was much of a, a market there and there's all kinds of awesome horror westerns coming out uh i just finished zach rosenberg's the hungers as old as this land which is so good and such a unique take because it is like it's coming at it from a a jewish point of view Mm -hmm. um and it's it's succinct it's written wonderfully it's got engaging characters it's just fun uh so i want more of that yeah definitely see you're adding more to my list (laughs) i've been re-watching a lot of stuff lately uh like i re-watched i stand by it the escape room movies are fun (laughs) (laughs) and i feel like people roll their eyes at them because they are pg-13 they are a good time. They are baby saw, and that's okay. <laughs> um, but I also rewatched The Black Coat's Daughter, which I think when people talk about A24 films is not one that gets mentioned a lot, but it's one that I really like. And I know mm. it's, a, it's a very slow burn, so it is not for everyone. But I rewatched it, and I was just like, still love it. Mm-hmm. I love slow burn stuff. Yeah. And just great performances from Kiernan Shipka and Emma Roberts. And it was one of those movies where I went back into it and I remember thinking like, oh, I kind of thought that like this was this was this. And I remember and I rewatched it and realized, oh, no, like you are led to believe like this is Mm. going to turn out this way. But actually this happens. Um it's just one I, I really liked um so i think that's on on max i think the escape okay. room movie was on hulu also i i like the the sequel too the sequel might i might actually like the sequel more but Ooh. the first one is still pretty fun 
They're both just okay. fun. <laughs> yeah, I haven't uh I haven't seen any of the escape room movies. I I have not seen any of the Saw movies either. I I just there is there is a part of me that d- cannot handle the idea of being trapped in a place with uh with that body mutilation and I just like I know I can't handle it so I just don't <laughs> don't watch those kinds of things uh and for they're scary they are legitimately scary yeah I get that I've only seen the first two and part of me is like maybe I am a little curious and I do want to keep going and then part of me is like I get it like this this is what it is and I think mm-hmm. these are like the best two so maybe I should just stop here <laughs> so um the other tradition we have on this show is to ask our guests for a final girl song yes and i chose uh dissolved girl by massive attack for mine so did you like picture what's going on in the movie when this is playing yeah it um so this song has god it there i mean it's a very like it's got a very bass heavy uh background to it so it's it's very trip hoppy and it's um it changes like maybe half halfway through the song uh Mm -hmm. and the tempo really gets like awesome and uh fully guitar-y and um so the scene that i imagine is like there's a club and there's Mm -hmm. lots of flashing lights and it's kind of bluish purple undertones and this uh woman is walking in and is basically going to take out the people that have been keeping her in place for a long time uh because there's there's all these allusions in the song to um you know probably should have left but now i'm but i stayed and it's 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 a rebellion song i think Mm -hmm. um so walking into a room and just like probably it's gonna sound terrible but uh (laughs) but uh yeah just taking out some of these people who have been keeping her keeping her under uh not letting her flourish i guess i love that and um good final girl energy yeah it's just like there's there's just something so like cathartic about that song you always Mm -hmm. like like you get to that that part of the song where it changes tempo so drastically and you're just like Mm -hmm. yes <laughs> All right. Well, I will add that to the playlist. 
Well, thank you so much for coming on here and chatting with me. Um, where can people find you online? Uh, they can find me just about everywhere. I <laughs> am on every social media platform, you know, Facebook, Instagram, Threads, X, Blue Sky, TikTok. Uh, yes, it is a lot. And mm-hmm. um, and then I also have a Substack as well. Oh, wow. That is a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I'm sure it will prove to be too many at some point. All right. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. I really enjoyed this. Yeah, this was fun. Books in the Freezer is a bi-weekly podcast. We post episodes every other Tuesday. You can find us on X as Books Freezer Pod. We are on Instagram, Threads, Blue Sky, TikTok, honestly, all the places as Books in the Freezer. You can send us an email at booksinthefreezer at gmail.com. Show notes for this episode and all previous episodes are at booksinthefreezer.com. On the show notes, you will find a list of all of the books mentioned, and you will also find different ways that you can support the podcast, including links to the Patreon, where you can become a Patreon supporter. There is a one, a three, and a $5 level with all types of different perks at each peer, ranging from early episode releases to movie nights, group chats, and bonus episodes. So check that out if that sounds interesting to you. There are, of course, other ways to support the podcast uh, that are listed on the show notes, including affiliate links and merch. But you do not have to spend any money to show your support. You can leave a review on a site like Apple Podcasts. Or even just sharing about the podcast on social media. Word of mouth is huge for indie podcasts like this one. So thank you to all of you listeners who have taken the time to do that already. It means a lot. I'm Stephanie. You can find me on X as Lady underscore Ganya. That's L-A-D-Y underscore G-A-G-N-O-N. Or on Instagram at That's What She Read. And that's That's with two A's. And see you next time on books in the freezer.